Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Good morning, good morning, good morning. So a while back I read an article. It was symptoms of hyperactivity in kids. Partway through I started to laugh because it read like the storyline of my childhood. Excessive talking. Inability to sit still in a calm environment. Unable to wait one's turn. Constant interrupting of conversations. Little or no sense of danger. When I was about eight years old, our family lived out in a subdivision of acreages in the country near Red Deer, Alberta. And one day, a few of my buddies and I decided that we were going to build a tree fort, you know? And so we decided we wanted to pick a spot first. So we walked through this like huge grove of trees near a farmer's field. We're walking along in Eureka. There's a tree fort. Somebody already built it. Okay, it was, it was a while back. You could tell that it had been abandoned, but I was just stoked because I can't build stuff. I'm like, this is great, guys. Here's our headquarters. Here's our tree fort. They're like, it doesn't really look very solid. It looks kind of flimsy. I'm like, nonsense. It's going to save us a ton of work. I'll prove it to you. So I climbed up to the tree fort, and I'm there looking at my buddies, and I started jumping up and down on the tree fort just to show how solid it was, you know? And I'm like, this thing is rock Solid. As I said solid, I heard a cracking noise, and the next thing I know, I woke up on the ground, kind of splayed partway over a barbed wire fence. Little or no sense of danger. Acting without thinking. When I was 20 years old, you're like, I thought you were talking about your childhood, Mike. Well, my friends, (laughs) experts say that men do not reach physiological maturity until 25. Emotional maturity, 43. If ever. Okay, so anyways, I'm, I'm 20 years old, and Corinna and I are going on our second official date. Now, we had hung out lots, but this is like our second official date. So we were both going to Trinity Western University. We drove out to Cultus Lake. We met my Uncle Nick. My Uncle Nick was going to take us water skiing, and I was stoked because, not to brag, but when I was younger, I was pretty great at water skiing, so I was going to show off to Corinna. Okay, so we go water skiing. It was great. We helped my Uncle Nick load his boat back up on his trailer, but we stuck around after he left. We just walked along the shore of Cultus Lake. You know, we get to this spot. I'm like, Corinne, like a few years ago, my best buddy Grant King and I, we came out for Expo 86, and and we would hang out at this very spot. We were tenting at Cultus, this very spot every day, because there was this tree that had kind of fallen over partway, so extended way out into the water. We would use it as a diving board. I said, you know what we got to do, Corinne? We got to go out to that tree and kind of sit over the lake. I thought it'd be kind of romantic, you know? And so she's like, no, it, it doesn't look solid. It looks kind of flimsy. Does this story sound somewhat familiar? Okay, so I say it nonsense. It's so solid. And so I go out to this tree and I start bouncing down, up and down on the tree. And I'm like, Corinne, this tree is rock solid. As I said solid, I heard a cracking sound. And next thing I know, I'm in the water. I had a jean jacket on at that point, sweatpants, completely drenched. A couple weeks ago, I asked Corinne about that second date. I said, were you into me before we went on the second date? She's like, oh yeah, I was totally into. I mean, obviously. Okay, so... uh, (laughs) I said, okay, but after the second date, were you more or less into me? She's like, oh, way more. I'm like, wow, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm like, was it the water skiing? She's like, no, not at all. I'm like, well, what was it? She's like, it's when you fell into the lake. That's one more reason why women are impossible to understand, okay? (laughs) So I, I hope 
that as I've got older, I've learned to think a little bit more before I act, you know, a little more sense of danger, a little more sense of caution. But the truth is, when I look back through my life, it feels like I pretty much just leapt headlong into most of my life. And God's been so incredibly good to me. Like, I think back at these moments that shouldn't have been a surprise to me, but they were a surprise to me all the time. Like, I remember driving up from Seattle with an engagement ring in my car, and I'm like, wow, there's an engagement ring in my car. How amazing is this? Or I put the ring on Corinne's finger. I'm like, wow, I'm engaged. How amazing is it? As if it's a surprise, you know? Kind of like when I'm speaking. I'm always interested to hear what I'm going to say. It's, it's so cool. But, you know, and then I get married. I'm like, wow, I'm married. How amazing is this? And then 10 months after we got married, Corinne says to me, I'm pregnant. And I'm thinking, wow, I'm a dad. How amazing is this? But also pretty nervous. I was concerned that I wasn't going to love my kid, okay? And, and I'm not good. I'm really not good at trying to pretend to be someone I'm not, pretend to be something that I'm not. So I was concerned that when the baby was born that I was going to be like, like a fake jump for joy and a fist bump and everyone was going to be looking, what a weirdo. Like he doesn't even, right? And, and, and so the moment comes, I'm all nervous and the doctor holds up Tori. He says, dad, you got a baby girl. And I was like, there was this like wave of love and joy and purpose that all but floored me. Like I, I could barely stay standing. Like there's this moment that hit me where I'm like, I got a brand new purpose. Like who cares about my pet peeves? Who cares about my selfish ambition or aspirations? All I want to do, all I want my life to be from here on out is to be a good daddy for that little baby girl. Now, I bring that up because we've been making our way through the first two chapters of the Gospel of Luke. We saw how the angel Gabriel shows up and he talks to this old guy named Zachariah. He says, Zachariah, there's going to be a miracle, you know? You're old, your wife is old. But God's going to do a miracle and she's going to get pregnant and you're going to have a baby boy, Zachariah, and you're going to name him John. And then about six months later, the same angel Gabriel shows up and talks to a teenage girl named Mary. Says, Mary, God's about to do a miracle here. You've never had sex, but you're going to get pregnant and you're going to have a baby boy and you're going to call him Jesus. We pick up the story in Luke chapter 1. Verse 39, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to you, to her, sorry. What I want to do from this short story is I want to make three declarations that were true of Mary and Elizabeth 2,000 years ago and are still true for you and me today. Number one, what a bond we have in Jesus. Number two, what a life we have in Jesus. Number three, what a friend we have in Jesus. Number one, what a bond we have in Jesus. Every time I read this story up until about a month ago, I kind of assumed that it went like this. Mary walks across the street and goes to talk to her old cousin, Elizabeth. But that's not how it went. 
Elizabeth lived 160 kilometers away from Mary. Didn't walk across the street. Like she would have had to join like a caravan of people traveling, walk several days to arrive there. Why would she go through all that trouble? Because of the bond that her and Elizabeth had. Like think about it for a second. Who in the world could have understood Mary in that moment better than Elizabeth? That bond they had, I think, was based on two things. Experience and expectation. Experience and expectation. I mean, what an experience they both had. Like God showed up in their lives and did a miracle. They could talk about, hey, what did the angel Gabriel say to you? You know, kind of thing. Like this amazing bond, the experience they had. God showed up and did a miracle in their lives. But the second thing that would have drawn them together was expectation. Elizabeth was pregnant, and the baby boy that she was going to have was going to be called John the Baptist. He was going to prepare the way for the Messiah. Mary was pregnant, and she was going to have a baby boy named Jesus. He is the Messiah. So there's this massive sense of expectation, you know, that God was going to radically alter the course of human history. Really, right? And the fabric of eternity by sending his son. And when Jesus showed up, he was going to change everything, one life, one story at a time. Like, what a bond we have in Jesus. What I'm saying is that what was true for Mary and Elizabeth back then is still true for you and me today in 2023, which is a really good thing, by the way, because in 2023, it feels to me anyways, like we do a really good job as a culture of figuring out all the things that should drive us apart, but maybe not such a great job of reminding ourselves of the things that should pull us together. What a bond we have in Jesus based on two things for you and me, experience and expectation. Here's the experience very similar to Mary and Elizabeth, the experience is this, God showed up and did a miracle in our lives. Like for me, it happened when I was 19 years old, 19 years old walking up the South Hill of Red Deer. Maybe your story is a lot like that, you know? This sudden moment where he showed up and did a miracle in your life. Or maybe your story is just a little bit different. You've been following Jesus your whole life. And every once in a while, you look back and you're just reminded, man, he's, he's been there for me. He's been doing like a decades-long miracle in my life. He's been faithful year after year after year after year. What a bond we have in Jesus. Or maybe you're watching online right now or you're here in person and you still, got a questions about, you still have a lot of questions about the whole Jesus thing. What I want to suggest is he's in the middle right now of doing a miracle in your life. That's what's happening. Like he's gone before you into this spectacular moment. It's his idea that you're here. What a bond we have in Jesus based on experience, but also based on expectation. Leah already talked about it, but we have Christmas services next week at Southside. And they're always pretty crazy in a good way. What's the goal? What's the goal? What's the goal? What's the goal? What's the goal for next weekend? I think the goal for next weekend is this. I think God's gonna radically alter the course of human history and the fabric of eternity by sending his son. And when Jesus shows up, he's gonna change everything, one life, one story at a time. That's the goal. That's pretty huge expectation. G good thing all we have to do is just play our little part. He does the rest, right? 
But, but that's the plan next weekend. Thousands and thousands of people are gonna show up at Southside Church next weekend. And he's gonna keep doing what he has been doing. He's going to change everything, one life, one story at a time. There's two things I would ask as we look ahead to next weekend. Number one, I would ask that you would invite. Ask yourself if there's somebody in your life, if, if there's some people in your life that God has placed there for a reason. And this would be the year, this is a time of year that they might accept an invitation to church when they wouldn't normally accept an invitation to church. I would ask that you would pray who you might invite this year, who you might bring this year. I think we need to pray about that. We need to pray about that. I always find that challenging for me. You know, I get to this time of year and I'm like, oh, who am I gonna bring this year? Who am I gonna invite this year? Because it's kind of awkward for me, you know, like, hey, you should come to the Christmas services. The sermon is gonna be riveting, you know? <laughs> Speaker, whoa, he's so awesome. You know what I mean? It's, but, but here's what I know. I gotta spend some time. I have been spending some time, continue spending some time. Okay, God, who have you placed in my proximity that I could invite this year? And the second thing I would ask that you, is that you would invest. If Southside is your church, if you're a regular Southside attender, which means you've been here for more than one week, okay? Let's go. Let's go. Be, be, because what we wanna do for the thousands of people who arrive next weekend, we want to remind them of what we already know is true, that they're absolutely loved that they're absolutely important, that they're absolutely expected. And so what I would ask for you to do is if you could just text the keyword Christmas to 604-670-3040, and you have a chance to sign up. You'll probably be placed, if you do, in guest services, which is the best place to serve. What a bond we have in Jesus based on experience and expectation. Number two, what a life we have in Jesus. If you would have asked Mary like two days before Gabriel, the angel Gabriel showed up, you know one thing she wasn't planning on doing? Traveling, traveling 160 kilometers to go visit her old relative Elizabeth, not a chance. But now she is. I heard somebody say once, if you wanna make God laugh, tell him your five-year plan. See, by the way, I, I love sayings like that. No, I love that, because I'm not a good planner. I'm like, if I can't get it done in the next 25 minutes, it's not worth doing. You know what I mean? Like I, I just, I, I, I leap headlong into life. So it should be stated, it is good to plan. It is good to have a picture of what you want the future to look like. However, you take that picture and you say, God, this is the picture I have. I'm gonna pursue it. However, at any moment, if you wanna interrupt my regular scheduled programming, not my will, but your will. That's the key. Been spending some time over the last month or so reflecting, looking back at our lives, you know? Engaged at 21, married at 22, uh, dad at 23, not saying this is a blueprint for success, okay? It's just this how we did it. Waiter, teacher, coach, vice principal, youth pastor, pastor. And it's funny because sometimes people say the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. Not at all. That's not true. Ask Mary, does it sound like a safe journey? Back in the first century through 160 kilometers to go visit, not safe, not easy, not comfortable, just good. Like I look back over my life and I think, yeah, there's been some heartbreak. 
There's been some challenge, there's been some criticism, but so, so, so good. I wanna ask you to do something radical. Especially for those who've been doing this whole church thing for years. I'm gonna ask you to do something radical. I'm gonna ask you today to believe that God's not done. He wasn't done with teenage Mary, and he wasn't done with, I don't know how old she was, but she was pretty old Elizabeth. There's that old song that say, says, Jesus take the wheel. Okay, it's, it's not, he doesn't, he won't. He will not take the wheel, he won't. He won't do that. No matter how many times you ask, he's not gonna carjack you. He's not gonna throw you out of the driver's seat and drive away with your life. He will not do that. What I'm asking you, one week out from Christmas, a couple weeks out from a new year, 2024, I'm asking you to do something incredibly courageous. Say, Jesus, I'm gonna take the wheel, you lead the way. The older you get, the older you get, sometimes the more time you spend in church, the harder that gets. No, it really does. Because by now, you probably have a kind of a good thing going. Pretty safe life, pretty comfy, pretty established, right? And so it's like, hey, God, thank, hey, you know when I was 19 years old and an absolute train wreck? Thanks for that. But I'm a few years older than that now, and I got things going, so you know what? I got things. What if, what if, what if we believe that God's not done? That he's gonna call us, not always to comfy, definitely not to easy, not always to safe, but to something good. Are we willing to say, Jesus, I'm gonna take the wheel, you lead the way. What a bond we have in Jesus, what a life we have in Jesus, and finally, what a friend we have in Jesus. What a meeting, you know? Elizabeth and Mary, both pregnant. I, I found a painting, an artist kind of imagined that moment. I thought it was pretty cool. There they are. Old Elizabeth and young Mary. Jesus and John the Baptist meeting for the first time womb to womb. You know, it says that uh, John the Baptist leaped in his mother's womb. He jumped for joy. I was thinking about that, jumping for joy, jumping for joy. Been to a couple church services in my life where somebody got up on a stage like this and they're like, everybody jump for joy. And I just, I'm not good at moments like that. I'm just not. I don't like people telling me what to do. I, I'm just like, you jump for joy, idiot. Like, what do you mean jump for joy? And then they do and I'm like, why do you look, you don't even have a vertical. You look so stupid, you know what I mean? And I'm not, I'm, I, honestly, I'm, I'm not a joiner. I'm just like, don't tell me what to do. I've been to church services before where they're like, make a joyful noise to the Lord. I don't even know what that means, but I'm not doing it because you told me to do it. And then people start to, I'm like, that doesn't sound joyful, that sounds disturbing, you know? <laughs> Everyone shout to the Lord. I don't even know what that means, but I'm definitely not. Like, I'm not a joiner. I don't like people telling me what to do. I'm not good at pretending to be someone I'm not, pretending to feel some way that I don't feel. Does that make sense? It's one of the reasons, by the way, that I... So appreciate the Southside music team. There's lots of Sundays I come walking in here and I'm just so grumpy. I am. I get into self-pity pretty fast. Feel sorry for myself, you know? 
So I'll just come stumbling into church. I'm feeling sorry for myself. And if somebody stood up here and said, hey, be grateful, idiot, I'd be like, you're an idiot. Shut up. I don't want to be grateful. But they don't do that. What they'll do is they'll tell a little bit about what's going on in their life, and they'll sing a song like Gratitude. And I'll start to sing, and I'll start to reflect. And it's like, it's not out here. I'm not jumping for joy on the outside, but slowly, deep inside of me, something changes, and it's beautiful. not good at pretending to be someone I'm not or something I'm not, which is why I was so stressed about Tori being born. You know, jump for joy, pretend, and fist pump, pretend it's not going to work. And, and then she was born, and I was just about floored. Like the wave of love and joy and purpose was just, she's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I bring that up because around this time of year, once in a while, you'll hear somebody quote what I think is a great Christmas verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I think about that, eternal life, eternal life, eternal life. That when my time expires on this planet, I'm gonna step into eternity. And there's a few things that are promised to me. Number one, a new body. How cool is that, you know? No more disease, no more decay, no more suffering, no more pain. Like a new body, like we'll recognize each other, but we'll be infinitely more. I was listening to two guys argue the other day, whether we use 10% of our brain or 35% of our brain. I'm thinking, well, it depends on whether you're Dutch or not. You know what I mean? I, I don't know, but, um, but regardless of that, can you imagine you unhinged, unconstrained with, 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 with all the things that are holding us back? New body, new earth, a new earth. I, I, I love that idea. Just like you and me, recognizable, but infinitely more. I love that because I want you to imagine the best of the best of the best moments that you've had. The, the memories, the places you've been that just kind of stick with you. Like for me, every night when I close my eyes just before I fall asleep, I go to the same place every single night, every night. I go back to that subdivision of acreages near Red Deer, Alberta, out in the country because right in the middle there was a rink, a hockey rink. And I go back there every night. When I close my eyes, I just remember the, the sound of the skates on the ice, the puck on the boards, breath in the air, the wind on your face. And I just, just remember the moments when you wanted to take a break, you would go over to the boards and kind of lean out so that the, the lights weren't shining in your eyes anymore and look up at the sky full of stars. Do you have a place like that? Do you have a moment like that? See, what I want to suggest to you is that one day you can show us. Like there's going to be a new Red Deer, <laughs> a new Chilliwack, a new Paris, recognizable but infinitely more, a, a new Grand Canyon, a new Rocky Mountains, a new Pacific Ocean, a new Cultus Lake. So those places, those best of the best places, you can show us. And the places that you say, man, I want to get there someday, but maybe you never get there. On this side of eternity, you'll get there. 
you'll get there. New body, new earth, new heavens, the Bible says, a new heavens. So you look up at a sky full of stars and you imagine an ever expanding universe created by a infinitely creative God. You and I will we'll never run out of exploration. We'll never run out of adventure. We'll never run out of, you gotta be kidding me. Like a million years from now, you and I will be saying, man, how's it been? Perfect, perfect, and the best is still yet to come. New body, new earth, new heaven. Here's the thing though. Here's the one that gets me, it perplexes me, I struggle with it. Every once in a while I'll have somebody say, man, you know what the best thing about eternity is gonna be? We get to meet Jesus face to face. He's our best friend. I struggle with that one. I do. Look, I have no problem accepting Jesus as my savior. I believe it wholeheartedly. He died so that I can be made new. Get it, believe it. I have no problem acknowledging him as my Lord. Saying, hey, Jesus, I'm gonna take the wheel. You lead the way. I'm gonna follow you. The whole friend thing, though, I struggle with. I struggle with imagining that Jesus is my best friend. And then growing up, every once in a while, someone would show me a picture of Jesus. And it didn't really help. Like these painting, these renditions that people would have of Jesus. I think I got an example there somewhere. Yeah, there he is. It didn't really help. Like, first of all, he was from the Middle East, so I don't think he had white skin and blonde hair. I also don't think Jesus wore that much moose in his hair, to be completely honest with you. And he's the king of kings and the lord of lords, but yet when I look at that picture, it just feels to me like I just want to put him in a headlock and give him a noogie, which I don't think is a very (laughs) reverent thing to do, to be truthful. So that didn't help me. Other day, actually a few weeks ago, I was talking to a a good friend of mine, and I, I sent him that picture. And I said, uh, man, I don't think Jesus looked anything like that. He says, he doesn't. It's pretty declarative, man, like, he doesn't. Yeah, I said, uh, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think he had, like, white skin and blonde hair. He's like, he doesn't. I'm like, why are you being so declarative? Like, do you know what he looks like? He's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah? You know what Jesus looks like? He's like, yeah, God gave me a vision. Now, understand, this is a great friend of mine. He doesn't make stuff up. So I'm like, whoa. So what does he look like? He said, the closest thing I can give you is this. Google the painting, Prince of Peace. And so I did. And I read a little bit up on it. I found out that that was painted by an eight-year-old girl. And that God gave her a vision of what Jesus looks like, and that's what he looks like, according to her. Read that there was this little... um, four-year-old boy named Colton. He had his appendix burst and they gave him emergency surgery. And he had an NDE while he was having surgery and he stepped into eternity. He said to his parents, I saw Jesus. And they're like, what did he look like? And so they show him all these pictures of Jesus. like, no, 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 no. Years and years and years later, Colton and his dad are watching TV and that Prince of Peace painting comes on. He's like, that's it. Now I say, I don't know what Jesus looks like. And I don't know that that really matters, but, but I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying this Christmas season to get a concept of what it means to say that he's my best friend. So I'm gonna close today with four thoughts. When you and I meet Jesus face to face, the first thing you're gonna notice is that he's familiar. He's familiar. 
I hope that like me, you've had some good friends in your life. My best buddy growing up was Grant King. What a great friend. Best friend I've ever had is my wife, Corinne. But I hope you've had some good friends like that. What I wanna suggest to you is that when you see Jesus, he's gonna be familiar to you because those best of the best of the best moments of friendship that you've had, right? You and I were created in the image of God. Friendship at its best, you look at that person, you catch a glimpse, you catch some family resemblance, you catch a glimpse of Jesus. When you meet him face to face, he's gonna be familiar. Second, he's gonna be faithful. As somebody who tells a lot of stories for a living, there's just kind of a limitation to storytelling, you know? Like I, I, I can tell you, like some, if I could ever convince Grant King to come from Australia and stand up on this stage, he could tell you some stories. You know, you would go, hey, did it really happen when Mike was 17, he got the tar beat out of him at that biker bar called the Rock Jar? He would say, yeah, I was there, I was there. Did you guys really pop popcorn and beer cans near Pine Lake? Yeah, yeah, I was there, he'd say. How about the time that you guys were water skiing behind a snowmobile? Did that really happen? Yeah, 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 I, I, I was there. I was there. So I remember walking along the shore of Coltis Lake with Corinne. I'm like, Corinne, like, Grant and I were here, and we dove in, and, but it's not the same. See, but when you meet Jesus face to face, you'll understand he's faithful. What I mean by that is he has been there every single step of the way. He's never left you. There's no catching up that you'll have to do. Your highest high he was there celebrating with you. He celebrated with you in your celebration. He took joy in your joy. And when in this broken world you were broken, he was heartbroken for you. What kept him full of hope for you that whole time though, is he knew that moment. That moment when you step into eternity and you see him face to face, he knew that moment was coming. He's familiar. He's faithful. He's for you. He's for you. Earlier, I was talking to you about how Corinne and I went on our second date, you know, and she was pretty into me before, but even more into me after. And I said to her, was it the water skiing or was it when I fell in the water? And she said, it was for sure when you fell in the water. And I said to you, and that's why women are so hard to understand, I kind of made that part up. I did. Here's why. I knew it. I knew the answer. See, because when I fell in that water, and my jean jacket and my sweatpants got soaked and it came up out of the water and I saw her laughing at me. I saw in her that she liked it. And I fell in love with her in, the, in that moment. And here's why, because I knew she liked me. See, if she would have said it was because you're water skiing, well, that's something that I do. Does that make sense? That's something that I do. When I fell in the lake, that's who I am, man. Like, that's what I do. When you meet Jesus, you're gonna know that he is absolutely for you. Like you've heard maybe pastors stand up on stages like this before and say this. Um, There's nothing that you've ever done that could make Jesus love you less. There's nothing that you could ever do that would make him love you more. That sounds good, right? When you meet him face to face, you'll go, oh, whoa, 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 that's true. Like he absolutely delights in you. Bible says he rejoices over you in singing. He doesn't love some future version of you, some past version of you, some sanitized version of you. He's crazy about current you. 
all your quirks, all the things about you that you're like, ah, I don't really want anyone to know that. He thinks that's awesome. He's familiar. He's faithful. He's for you. And finally, listen to this. He's floored by you. This one is tough to get your head around. I told you that moment, you know, when, 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 when the doctor holds up Tori, like, you got a baby girl. And I'm just like, I'm just like this wave of love and joy and purpose goes through me in that moment. When you step into eternity, that's exactly the response that Jesus is gonna have to you and you're gonna know it. Like he's just about floored by you. Like his love for you could never really be fully explained because it's beyond our ability on this side of eternity to even fully understand. But you're gonna see him, right? And, 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 and he's not strong, he's strength, personified. He's not powerful, he's power. He's not victorious, he's victory. And you're gonna see him, the most impressive person you could ever imagine seeing, and he's just about floored by you. And you're gonna know it as you step into eternity, as he locks eyes with you, you're gonna realize that he's overwhelmed with this wave of love and joy. You know what the Bible says? That Jesus, listen, that Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame for the joy set before him. That joy is you. You have forgiven you, eternal you, loved you. He did it all for you. He'd do it again. He scorned the shame of the cross for you. He'll be overwhelmed, just about floored with his love, with his joy, and with the purpose that he feels towards you. Everything he did, he did it for you. What a bond we have in Jesus. What a life we have in Jesus. And yeah, what a friend. What a friend, what a friend we have in Jesus. Let's pray. Why don't you close your eyes and bow your head. Everything that Jesus did, he did for you. He stepped into human history, born as a baby, placed in a manger in a little town called Bethlehem for you. He grew up, he died for the forgiveness of sins, specifically for you. He rose again for eternity, for eternal life, and he did it for you. So I wanna stop here for a moment in the service and give you the chance to accept what Jesus has already done for you. Salvation, eternal life, forgiveness, a fresh start, it's all yours. Jesus has already done everything that needed to be done. If that's you today with all eyes closed and all heads bowed, can you just raise your hand right now because I wanna pray for you right in this moment, nice and high if you don't mind. You're watching online and it's safe to do so, I would love if you could raise your hand also. Something powerful about that outward expression. Amazing. If your hand's up, you can put it down right now. I'm gonna pray out loud and I just invite you to follow me silently. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are for me. 
that you are faithful. And that everything you did, you did for me. So today I ask you to be my savior. Give me a fresh start, a new beginning, forgive my sins. And Jesus, I ask you to be my Lord, that just as you rose again, I pray that you would help me rise into the life that I was created to live today, tomorrow, and forever. And God, for all of us right now, for those of us who have been going to church for a month or for our whole lives, in this moment, one week before Christmas of 2023, in this moment, we pray, Jesus, I got the wheel. You lead the way. Today, tomorrow, and forever, in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate. I love you guys a lot. Next weekend is, let's go. See you then. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.